Phones on silent, please. Phones are on silent. Hey, this is Amrita and Andrew. We write and produce as VJ and Stevens, and we podcast our way through freelance, free-range life. If you're thinking about taking a leap off the beaten path in any part of your life, our inexpert advice is don't think twice. Great. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Think Twice. How you feeling, baby? I'm feeling just fine. I got a good night's sleep last night after a couple of nights where I both drank too much and slept too little. Uh-huh. And I know about my body that exercise and diet are important, but the most critical thing for me is sleep. Yeah. That if I don't have sleep, I like my whole body just gets you thrown off. I, I, yeah. I crumble. Yeah. Um, I fear, I fear that the answer to that equation for me is exercise. That's my, that's my fear because I think it's actually, I think that might be true, but I hate that that's the answer. <laughs> I don't want it to be. <laughs> yeah. So I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling hydrated and rested and hydrated rested ready to moisturized. take on you know i feel so happy i, I love feel to hear really that. really I happy i feel that. really happy and i feel like i'm happy because i'm the master of my destiny that's how i feel today <laughs> <laughs> is that because yesterday we felt like we were thrown it, into a storm yes yes it's because bullshit because i I'm, I can, well, overall in life, I'm very happy. Yeah, you know? right. And I can, because of that, I'm able to more easily identify like when I'm not happy, what was the reason for that? Mm-hmm. And it's the sole times that I feel unhappy in life recently are when I feel like my choices aren't my own. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is exactly a couple of the days we had this week. Which we don't need to dive too deeply into uh, to bring the people down because anyone with a job is already brought down far enough. <laughs> and the worst thing about jobs are the people you have to work with. Oh, by a mile. <laughs> a country but. mile. So um, I almost shared this with you, this sensory experience with you yesterday. But then I thought, you know, I would like to share this with you on the air. So we have a friend who bought this candle, a really, really fancy, expensive candle. It smells like, supposed to smell like gingerbread, holiday, like loveliness. It smelled really good in the store. She took it home. She lo- she lit it. And then it wasn't until it had been burning for a while that she realized from like a distance that it had sort of a fart smell to it. Um, and... I came over. She's like, it really smells like farts. I don't know what's going on. It's supposed to be gingerbread. It costs an arm and a leg. Uh, I don't know what to say about it. So I was very intrigued by the fart candle. Went over to her house. Immediately had her test it out for me. So the curious thing about it is that when it's close up, it smelled delicious. Like, let's say within a three-foot radius. Farther than a three-foot radius, it smelled like... It smelled like fart. So what we've uncovered is a new genre of scent. What is that in your hand and why are you holding it? So this is my hand lotion that I've been using Okay. all winter. I was out to drinks with our friend and 
she was like desperately in need of some hand cream. So I gave her this and she's like, oh, it smells really lovely. And uh, then she puts on her hands. We continue talking for a while. And she's like, this, now that I've moved my hands away from my face, this lotion smells exactly like urine. Like exactly like urine, like old urine. <laughs> so, so you asked me to put this on my hands right now? So I want right you to now. put it on your hands and I want you to, with that in mind, from close up okay, and from far away. We'll continue this conversation and see if urine, <laughs> well, good thing I haven't peed on myself today. <laughs> We've uncovered a new genre of scent, which is like the reverse Monet. It's like from close up, it makes a lot of sense. And then from far away, it's a huge mess. So describe okay, so what you're smelling it, close up. Close up. And this is Love, Beauty, and Planet, <laughs> Muru, Muru, Butter, and Rose. And it does it does give me a lot of, well, it gives me some rose. Mm-hmm. Sort of it's a floral. powdery, powdery rose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing too sharp, nothing too much. So we'll see. We'll see, see, how it, see how it sits. Because once I smelled what she smelled, like once I identified, my brain was like, yeah, it smells like pee. I have you, not. You been, recognize it too. I recognize it too, and I have been unable to use the the remainder of this. Hasn't been on my skin very long, but I can already smell the change between what it <laughs> smells like in the tube and what it smells like on my skin. Yeah, and I think there might be a, an ingredient that mixes with. I know everyone Sweat smells differently, of course, yeah. but it's it's like <laughs> it's already. I can tell how the the powdery rose mixed with some like skin whatever smell, is on like there. a clean skin yeah. smell like a neutral skin smell it's starting to give me even like up it, close it's starting to give me it's starting to transform <laughs> a little bit kind of a funk <laughs> but like not magic, quite to a funk yet but it's gonna but like there. but like a scent that's covering up a funk exactly yeah. exactly it's like the spritz of a floral perfume covering like an diaper. unflushed toilet yeah, it's diaper. And, oh, it's the powder. It's probably the powder, the powder diaper. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been using this hand cream all winter and people, <laughs> people have been have like... People have thought you've peed on yourself. Yeah. This is a woman who's wearing a scent to cover her own diaper smell. woman. <laughs> <laughs> like this is actually designed for a close-up radius. I mean, yeah, there's no way to solve for this. No. <laughs> no. No, I'm just saying that this was a, a, this was a genre of scent that I had previously been unaware of. And now I know. It was that candle only burned in one space? Because don't blame the candle, blame the space. That's what I always say. You think there was an eau de fart in the room? Well, was- you know, things mix with things. You know, I, I mopped with ammonia the other day, and then there was like a candle in the room. And those two, the combination of lemon-scented ammonia <laughs> and like the candle was strange. So, uh-huh. uh-huh. No, that's fair. That's fair. Well, maybe she got, maybe it was like a rancid order. You yeah, know, wines candle. can turn. Uh-huh. I'm sure essential oils or whatever they use can turn. Yeah, it's all natural. So that's possibly it. Gingerbread went in a foul direction. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, I have, um, I always, you know, take my long walks around the neighborhood and New York in winter prevents me from doing that as much as I would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so You're like a five mile a day or. So I, uh go in circles that are much smaller than they used to be. So I pass by the same things over and over. So I have a mile and a half loop before my fingers freeze or whatnot. <laughs> and I always pass by uh, a Catholic school in our neighborhood. 
And they have this motto for their elementary school, which every time I pass by, I read it, it says their motto is prepare to be prepared. And it's just, to me, a very curious motto for a school because it's like it makes no promise. <laughs> you know, and... And it got me thinking, prepare to be prepared. But it's like almost a warning. It's, I was going to say, it's it's a warning. It's not it's not like a motto. And it doesn't, it, like, as you said, it doesn't make any, any promises about what the school is going to do for you. It's just telling you in general, hey, keep your eyes open. Well, that's the Catholic Church for you. <laughs> Definitely keep your eyes open. Or if you're going to Catholic school. You know? Keep your eyes open and your what, zippers what, zip. Um, <laughs> Oh, you've been watching too many uh, Catholic church documentaries lately. Um, what other school mottos did I have you thinking of? Well, I'm glad you asked because I did look up some <laughs> before we got on the air out of curiosity. I tried my elementary school, but they don't have a motto. They've transitioned to something called an intelligence academy. Uh, that uh, sounds that sounds like very euphemistic. Yeah. It sounds like a place where you like lobotomize yeah, people so, or something. So, but uh, I was able to find my high school motto, mm-hmm. North Hall High School um, up there in Northeast Georgia, Gainesville, Georgia. North Hall High School, providing challenges, envisioning success. Providing challenges. And envisioning success. But not, not actually, actually So we it. see it. We so we create lots not. of problems. It's on the horizon. We create problems. We don't have any solutions to them, and we hope that you're successful. <laughs> we, we have a we have a strong vision. We're manifesting. <laughs> so that one's not so great. Um, so I poked around a little bit more on the internet and decided to go to colleges and universities uh-huh. using ours. And Amherst, your alma mater, actually I think has a great motto. Oh, I do know that. I do actually know the motto. Which is? Teras irradiant. Which translates to? Um, let them light the earth or something? Let them enlighten the land. Oh, yeah. So I think that's a really that's nice quite one. Nice. Because it's, yeah. it's not like prepare to be prepared, like like be scared of coming here. It's not like providing challenges and visioning success, like we do some <laughs> vague thing while you're here. It's instead like we What's hope get, What are you going to do with we this? Hope, yeah, we hope that you enlighten the earth. I really like that. I went to the University of Michigan. Theirs is simply arts, knowledge, truth. So I oh, guess at nice. some point they that's just nice. decided to Latin? just name things. Yeah. 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 It's in Latin. And then I decided to see out of curiosity what Liberty University's motto is. <laughs> you know, that, that school over there in Lynchburg. And theirs is simply knowledge aflame. <laughs> which I think... Actually, it's that's very apropos. Really funny. That's really. It's funny. like we burn just, knowledge. Just, yeah, we set it on fire. We're, we're, <laughs> you know, is a, I really a, least, a dumpster fire. Yeah, at least they're being honest. It's like knowledge. <laughs> we burn that. Um, I was trying to see whether I could determine whether what my high school motto is, and I think actually my high school doesn't have a motto. Yeah, it seems like mottos have gone to the wayside to be replaced by mission statements. Uh huh. Just which are full of jargony stuff. My middle school's motto was placed a long mission, well, not a long, a short mission statement, which said, and I quote, our teachers are great and our students are excellent. <laughs> and now, you know. That's also bad. That's so also really bad. So who is sitting around here being like, okay, let's put, let's like, okay, the decisions we make need to speak to our mission statement. What's our mission statement, Nancy? 
our teachers are great and our students are excellent. Like it doesn't help you do anything. It doesn't help you do it, but also make any decisions. But it also makes it seem like your teachers are like just fine. Like your students are really hey, good. I went to the middle school and I can attest. <laughs> your teachers are like fine. They're like, okay. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> even that's a little bit of PR spin. It's <laughs> a stretch. <laughs> I was um, thinking about this conversation we had the other day about white lies. And I thought of some more. Like, so the, the question was, was like whether you ever told a white lie that sort of un, like that got away from you, yeah. kind of not a dangerous lie, but just something. Well, that, the nature of a white lie is it's, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then you maybe got like beholden to the, to the well, lie. Well, you find or yourself in a situation, it's sort of a, akin to a Mary Kennicott situation. When you tell a white lie sometimes, where it's mm-hmm. like, actually, it's easier for me just to say, I, <laughs> yeah, I went to her birthday party. Sidebar, Mary Kennicott was the name of a character on the soap opera All My Children in the 1970s. In Andrew's family, it is also a shorthand for, don't worry about it, the backstory is not worth explaining. The story of how that came to be is, well, you know, Mary Kennicott. Like no one's right, ever right, gonna right. ask me again. Right, right. Except that sometimes, except when sometimes it sticks, in someone's, it sticks in someone's crop. And then, then you you either have to like have this very strange thing where you came clean, you come clean that you're like, I don't know why I lied about that, or you just have to like live with that forever and be like, okay, the new canon is I went to that party, I was there, it was fine. Um, also, my family's tried to adopt Mary Kennicott, by the way, and they can never remember the words Mary Kennicott, so they'll be like, Alice O'Neill. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm that like, works. no. <laughs> um, so I thought of two that I had that I had committed uh, little, white lies. little white lies that I was then like felt beholden, like too ashamed to like fess up to. So uh, one of them is extra silly, but one of them is more recent, which was that I went on a first date wearing a fake septum ring, clipped in right. on my septum, and I. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why. The guy goes like, "Oh, you have your septum pierced or something," and I was, or, or said, "Is that real?" Like it was more specific than that. I was like, "Is that real?" And I just said yes, without thinking about it. And then I was like, "Oh no! Now I'm a person who has a pierced septum." And now, if I ever see this man, I have to. Well, wear... I did, and then I had, and then I was like, "I should, I have to wear it again." And then I, and, <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, at this point, it's like that feels like such a foolish thing to lie about, that like coming clean about it was like worse than just like I mean that's what the white lies in, <laughs> that we find ourselves in because then the it's like a whole thing? conversation where they're like but why did you lie why? about that and then you have nothing to say but it's like I don't know, I don't know. why did I lie about that I don't that? know I don't and we're know. all very self-righteous in that moment when we catch someone else in a lie yeah. like why would you do that <laughs> meanwhile we all walk around having at some point in time said a white lie <laughs> but we conveniently forget when we catch someone else in that white lie that you like you're like, like that's so I, stupid that's i would so have just said no it's fake like what does it matter <laughs> i don't know i guess in my head i must have thought like this makes me seem cool or something or like in the flash of the moment or maybe i just said it and then thought again like like was like oh this will never like come back to haunt me but of course it did so anyway uh luckily things fizzled out with that person so it wasn't like i had to carry on the charade or I, just if get I, my if i had to guess probably in that moment you're like <laughs> if i say no then i have to explain myself I think that's probably I think that's probably what it was because I thought it was like a stylish choice, you know, and then didn't think that someone would ask about it. Like, 
you it's know. like when people wear glasses that they don't. don't have a prescription. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were just a white light. Oh, they're prescription. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're not just I really need, they're just glasses. not for fashion. Because <laughs> then you have to explain yourself. Anything path of least resistance. So the second white lie thing that I thought of was is like a little more peripheral, but way dumber, way dumber. So I was probably in like middle school, let's say. It came across this like Oscar Wilde quote. It's kind of like a famous quote. Um, where it, so the quote is, "I never travel without my diary." One should always have something sensational to read on the train. Okay. So <clears throat> I was just remembering that I interpreted this quote. Oh, wait, it's really good to have a sensational diary. And in my mind, I thought that meant I should make up something. Sensationalize things. I should sensationalize things and life. write them in my own. Li- so this is a white lie to myself. Nobody's even like in really theory funny. reading this. <laughs> so I like wrote and I have all my diaries, by the way, since I was five. An incredibly salacious I wrote middle salaci- school diary. I wrote some salacious things that were not true. <laughs> <laughs> very dramatic, very emotional tales. Now, I, I think like you may have some context on this, but like in deep, deep within my my soul, there is a theater kid. <laughs> oh, at the very least, a flair for a flair for, for the dramatic. So I wrote some very salacious lies uh, about myself. I mean, that like things that I had done or experienced or whatever oh, in my diary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my middle school diary. But then I, I was just remembering this, like just just this morning, like only just now today, I realized I completely misinterpreted that quote. It's not about like sensationalizing the things that you've done. It, it, the quote is about like living a life a that's sensational so sensational life. Yes. that like you you're, you've entertained yourself right <laughs> so i was like oh wow i really only got that like <laughs> 20 years later 20 plus years later that actually it's about just like doing the bad things instead of like pretending to do the bad things this is inspiring me to think back on my young younger years and because i know if i thought a little bit i would come up with some some white lies <laughs> and kids i mean i do just have vague memories of of like baldly saying something that I knew wasn't true. Right, right, right. Like in an argument or something. Were you a kid who always had to win an argument? No, I was a kid who wasn't having that many arguments. Uh-huh. I mean, I just walked away. <laughs> still true. Still true of you today. You're like, not worth my time. I feel like I want to do little white lies. Like professionally, I keep myself from telling little white lies all the time. You keep yourself, or well, you do tell I, them. I, I don't tell them, but I'm tempted to. Um, like, oh, I didn't see your email. Oh, oh, well, I do that all the time. I do that all the time. I do. I I, I do. So this is a. I, I don't. I wonder if it's to my benefit to tell those kind of little white lies no no because it it feeds into the garbage like double speak that rules all of our lives at, at, in the workplace and everybody knows that they're white lies like it's just it becomes part of just like the etiquette <sighs> see, like I know there's that, never the a time when you don't actually like, see I'm not someone's gonna tell. email i know that never happens it's just like i saw your email and i either deemed it like not important or i forgot or you know me, I, I deleted delete it you do delete them. <laughs> okay, that is a power move that I hope to like. I I can the, the thrill, the frisson of like rebellious delight I feel when I see you do that 
It's like, I can never, I can never. <laughs> it's like somebody asked you a direct question and then you just go, boop. Well, but sometimes I go in my trash and I'm like, oh, I guess I should. And it, but it momentarily <laughs> makes me feel better if I, if I delete it. And then sometimes I'll go in my trash and like, cause I know I have to answer it, but I don't want to see it in my inbox cause it's not that important. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more Im- the catharsis of pressing delete, even if you go back and, and actually deal with it. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. like delete the person in my mind, put them where they're, oh, they're in their proper that's place. Nice. That should be a button. In your email. Well, you know what else should be like, a button? You should be <laughs> able to set to specific people an away message, even when you're not away. Like, please don't bother me. No, to like a person that you really don't want to talk to. Like, I'm out of the office today. <laughs> but you should be able to set that away to just like the three people you don't want to talk to. You know what? To. I guarantee you there's a plug-in for that. There, there has to be. Um, like, my sister wanted to set up. She was like... I want to set up like a call tree on my own phone where it's like, if you are, if you've called to bother me with your bullshit today, please press one. Oh. <laughs> when I worked, if you're at, angry at me, press two. When I worked at missions at a private school, the first day I came back, I, I went to the restroom to pee. Mm-hmm. Came back, had 75 voicemails. Wait, 75? 75. How is that even possible? Yeah, that my mailbox didn't fill up. I guess it just had unlimited. That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, and and I tried to listen to all of them, and but as I'm doing it, more and more are coming in. Right, right. And so I'm just like, falling, are these falling, just like falling, anxious falling, parents falling, falling. who are trying to check up so on this their is the, applications? The, the way the cycle works is that applications open up on a certain day for all of the private schools in New York City. Mm-hmm. And then you schedule tours and then you schedule interview and they're just, just a multi-step process. And before I started, you had to call to make an appointment for everything, call to make, to tour the school, call to have an interview for your child, call to have an interview for yourself. Wow. Um, call to request an application. And we digitized some of that, but anyway, uh, actually we digitized all of it, but I went into my voicemail message and I was like, I can't prevent people from leaving <laughs> no. a message. But what I can do is leave a five minute long message <laughs> that they have to listen to. Before they, before it goes beep. Yes. Oh my God. Wait. Oh, this is brilliant. So this is like, like devious. Welcome to, da, 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 I'm da, 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 this is, and let me read you all of the important dates for this year. And I would read like all the important <laughs> dates. Like. You can find this information at blah, blah, blah. You know, and you can also do all of this online at da, 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 da. If you, and I said something so you're like, like a, please allow us three to four business days to get back to you. It was like <laughs> wow, a whole thing. Wow, wow. <laughs> so your hope secretly was that if you talked for long enough, the people would just hang up before they get to the part where they have to leave a voicemail. I'll be like, oh, it's not right. worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. My it time is too precious. It, it, I mean, it, it actually, worked in conjunction with me digitizing everything. That's that's a um, an unusual solution for you, which is to like annoy someone so much in t- that they are like that they give up bothering you. Oh, well, yeah, that but that job <laughs> make it, was just make it really inconvenient for people to bother you. Well, I mean, it was like I'm, I'm going to get to you, but you're in line. You're number seven hundred and thirty-seven in line. And 
well, people don't like that, especially people rich do, people. I was about to say rich, rich people, rich New Yorkers who feel like they are entitled to something do not want to be 737th in line for sure. Because they have to schedule their trip to Mallorca. They need sure. to, do, you know, mm-hmm. it's always they like need to get things thing. settled with you the know, admissions. Well, you got to understand before. that we are heading to Spain to do the thing, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> there is uh, there are a few people with greater power in New York City than the admissions administrator at a private school. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. Watching watching my boss put put politely put people into their place was amazing. Um, I have been, I always look at real estate online cause I like looking at houses mm-hmm. and thinking about what I would do and thinking about where I would live and what I want. And I can really articulate that now actually. Um, but, uh, like in terms of what type of property, what type of property, yeah, the, the, all of it. Okay. Okay. Features I would want in a house, features I wouldn't want in a house. Mm-hmm location all that um and we are in a very hot real estate market right now yes and hgtv and other networks have so many home renovation shows tiny home shows house flipping shows but i have a new idea for a new show i've been watching a lot of hgtv lately so i'm wondering if what you're gonna say is something that is already on the it's air. It's already on the air. Yeah, see, I, I'm out of the loop because we don't have traditional television. So you tell me. Okay. But this new show that I that it's called um, it's called something like Overpaid. Uh huh. And it's where people bought at the height of the market and then their house lost value and they're unable to move, uh-huh. but they don't like where they're living. Oh. And so, like a realtor and some renovation people architect whatever come in and like what can we do with what we've got with what we've got like the budget's going to be small because you're not going to resell for a while how can we on a budget make this property work for you mm-hmm. without you having to move yeah yeah so first of all if that is not already a show it's definitely in development because um I thought you were going to say something a little bit different. Um, so, so HGTV, of course, is in the is in the business of, you know, you want it to be relatable, but you don't want it to be too real. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to like re- highlight anyone's current suffering too much. However, because of the trends right now, there are a ton of shows that are very close to this concept. Actually, so there's a there's a show that's be- that is new um, that's being like advertised a lot. I was on vacation last week, watched a lot of HGTV. Um, it, it's called literally, why the heck did I buy this house? That's the, the title of the show. And it is a con, it is based on the fact that a lot of people bought during the pandemic, um, and regret it and regret it and regret it. So that's sort of what we're seeing right now. Um, you're, what you're saying is is like going to be the three months from now, because that was people who bought when it, when like they could afford it. And then they realized actually with all the maintenance and upkeep and like all this stuff, I can't actually afford it. Mm -hmm. So that was different. So they bought when the price was low and interest rates were low and they still regret it. Now we're going to have the the thing where people bought when it was really, because they were like, oh, they got the frenzy, sharks in the water, you know, blood in the water. And then they were like, they snapped it up something and then they were like, oh no, it's like, this is never going to be as 
valued as high as that again. And I so. can't sell and get out without yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So, so I absolutely, you're very prescient in, in, <laughs> in pitching the show. And I guarantee you this is going to be on the air in like six months, eight months. Give it, give them that, give them that much. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think it could be a very heartwarming story and, and, you know, people come to terms with like what home is other than an investment because home is more than just the financial investment. Totally. Totally. I mean, I think like the, <laughs> HGTV isn't quite on the level where they're doing like holistic philosophical conclusions like that. For instance, like we're still seeing a lot of shows where it's like they're, we're just seeing the like fantasy renovation of like, like a for a block of homes that that are in like the most like shitbox exurb of all time where there's like yeah. there's nothing around yeah. it and it's like oh this one has such a nice view over this ditch like there's nothing yeah yeah and i'm not sure how much hgtv wants to dip into like city planning philosophies for you know I how mean, we organize ourselves should, our physical space they should well it's a, there's a lot of conversation online about it a lot of people are very interested about city planning issues um, and about repurposing the suburbs, particularly right now. Mm -hmm. um, what what are you what are you seeing in terms of that? Because I I recently met somebody who uh, like I mean jokingly of course was like the only solution is we have to rewild the suburbs. We just like relocate everyone who lives there and turn it back into wilderness. And that's the only solution in order to like solve our like, like financial problems, like in, in, environmental problems. Obviously, of course, it's not like a real solution that would never, you know, but uh, what are some actual things that are part Well, of you say it's not a real solution, but there is an element of it that might be the real solution because suburbs were built not to sustain and not to regenerate. They were built there are one generation well as we see now they are one generation solution to housing it to replace what was built in the 50s and 60s mm -hmm. now is uh impractical to say the least and that's setting aside any environmental impact so J they're like financially impractical financially impractical mm -hmm. so oh, there is an element where there might be some of those some of that infrastructure will deteriorate and not to get too deeply in the weeds about no i i do want to get deeply in the weeds though because like i was just reminded of something that you said like oh the suburbs are basically a ponzi scheme like they were they were not built they were knowingly built in a way that they weren't going to be able to be self-sustainable. Urban people are subsidizing um, disproportionately the up maintenance of like the suburbs. Um, of course, like I thought it was such a good like soundbite that I like deployed that one time. And then someone was like, oh, explain more. And then I was like, <laughs> <laughs> look, I know that I agreed with the conclusion. I just can't remember the bullet points that got us there. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> Essentially, our federal government was very invested in the 50s and 60s in getting people into the suburbs and to get people into single-family homes. Because of and cars. And so all of right? that, uh, well, no, not because of cars, because of crowded inner cities. Okay. Um, cars seem to be the solution mm -hmm. to pull people out into the mm -hmm. city to get, you know, it's Robert Moses' philosophy of like fresh air, but at right. what cost? Uh, so 
the federal government was very invested in making that happen. So therefore they funded the suburbs. And the idea being that if you get enough taxpayers into the suburbs and it will sustain itself. Well, the simple math doesn't work. Because the density isn't. actually never worked. Right, and right, right. There are people who, who talk about, you know, the, the death of malls, the death of like shops in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And, and they talk about, oh, and that's like eroding your tax base. But the conversation needs to start that there was never a tax base that could sustain these these towns across the country. Even in the mid 80s when, you know, everyone was going to the mall. That just just still, because the those, population the taxes, density the tax, of the suburbs is too low. It was too low. It was yeah. never that the the cities, states and the federal government was still subsidizing all the all the energy, all the all the pavement, all the pipes, all the infrastructure. Mm hmm which is similar to all of these people in backwoods Tennessee it, where I grew up in North Georgia all these crazy backwards um you know extreme right wing I'm not yeah. talking about yeah, conservative no, no, no. in your approach in life I'm talking about extreme right wing people who talk about no government right. and yet they're sitting in their house with television See, and electricity just, and water and that this. was and they expect having being able to have connectivity and 4G and like Wi-Fi and like all that infrastructure well they expect to have water plumbing it, well, sure. Even the, that. Even and that, they expect to have electricity. And, and those you know, only came to that part of the country after the Great Depression and after we had the public works program. I see. I hadn't really. It's 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 a it's a really funny like catch twenty two for people who who believe in like a like small government um, to the extreme is that like living sort of out out unless you're really a survivalist living like sort of in an exurb or something like that. You're you're miring us deeper in a situation where the federal government has to have a huge budget in order to sustain the exurb that you're living in. So like you're actually contributing to a big government by making that choice as opposed to like someone who lives in a city. Yep. I had never thought of that before. Yeah. The rise of the suburb. The reasons for that are that as a response to city overcrowding, I would never have known yeah known that. uh as a, as a response to the city overcrowding particularly you know this the first suburbs were here on long island mm-hmm. to get people out of the lower east side the just the density issue the lower east side was the most dense place that's ever existed on earth in in at the turn of the 20th century there were wow. there were more bodies living down there than any place today or ever before like per capita or per square foot type right. of thing um which creates all the problems you can imagine from disease and See, like you just know that and like <laughs> you just know that you just had that <laughs> well, in I didn't your just know that but yeah. other people knew that and then they told me sure yeah but you know <laughs> i like there's certain things where it's like Maybe it's common knowledge to certain people, but that was not common knowledge to me. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and then then it just coincided with the car and everything that the car. Because I I had I had thought that if I had if I had someone asked me to explain this from scratch without any references, I would be like, oh well, the the burbs were because of of like the automotive lobby. I mean, I'm sure that was part of it too, but like that I would have ascribed that as being like a primary factor rather than like a supporting factor. Yeah, well, I mean, it happened concurrently that, well, yeah, the goal was to move people out of the city and then the car became the method by which Mm -hmm. the government decided Mm -hmm. that was the best because the interstate system didn't come until the 50s. Yeah. Until the Eisenhower administration. The car, you know, was decades before that. Right, sure, sure, sure. And you had Levittown was one of the first suburbs, which is out on... Actually, there are many Levittowns now, multiple Levittowns, but the first one was built in 
Long, Long Island. Island, which looks like your typical suburb that we know. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like, I ha- I've had many conversations, we've had many conversations about, you know, uh, choosing to live in a city as being like a values thing about, uh, you know, principles and values that lead you to choose where you're living. And I hadn't ever thought about it on this le- this sort of level of even like, even on like an economic level you could talk about like socially the diversity the the you know even environmental reasons like that like living in a city is uh, you know all the reasons and principles and values that that speaks to but like I hadn't even thought about it on this like scope and scale so I'm having a little bit of a light bulb moment right now (laughs) well recently in thinking about and looking at real estate and thinking about what I like in in structures Seeing a car in front of a house doesn't bother people, and it bothers me. I don't want to see a garage, uh-huh. and I don't want to see a carport where cars are parked. I don't want like a driveway that goes in front of my house where I park my car in front of my house. If I look at a house, I don't want to see like the machinery. But uh, it it just got me thinking how like the car is so integrated into our understanding mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. living. Yeah, living such that when we look at a house. And we see a car, we don't see, it's just like, yeah, well, that makes, of course, that's, yeah, all, that's yeah, natural. Yeah. That's right. how it is. Right. Whereas, you know, the Muse, which were the places where horses were stored, like in London, Muse? M-E-W-S, isn't okay. that in mm. historical cities, you, you, you know, horses and carriages and stuff. <laughs> yeah, were, that's, again, uh, not common knowledge to me, uh, but the term Muse originally, yeah, M-E-W-S, not M-U-S-E, originally referred to the royal stables, uh, so-called because they were built where the king's hawks were once mewed or confined at molting or at mew time. Um, so then that became a thing. It's like a it's like a parking lot. Almost. It's a parking lot. But yeah. <laughs> and now many of them have been converted into living quarters. Yes, that is also part of the definition here. Um, uh, in England, muse. Uh, a yard or street lined by buildings originally used as stables, but now converted into yeah, human dwellings. And there you wow. have it. <laughs> you have the smug look of a person who deployed a word and knew, <laughs> and knew how to use it correctly. You know, there are so many times I deploy a word and I know that I'm using it correctly, mm-hmm. but I couldn't use mm-hmm. it in any other circumstance. Yep. Anyway, what I will, the last thing I'll say about this, this suburb conversation mm-hmm. is that... Um, we have a lack of affordable housing. We have a lack of housing in general, and we have a lack of affordable housing in this country because affordable housing only comes about when there is enough housing. We don't need right. to forget that right. housing would be affordable if we had more than we needed. Right. It'd be very affordable. Right. So, um, <laughs> and whose let benefit us not is forget. that in yes. to make sure that there isn't enough? A supply and, yes, mm-hmm. squeezing supply mm-hmm. preserves value. Yep. And there are, I would say every homeowner would prefer to preserve value. And in that way, being a homeowner, you don't Contribute, want there to be right, enough Right, right, right. You don't want there to be enough housing. So like that's part of, that's part of again, your values decision that you've made there. <laughs> but, um, but I hope that some of these commercial spaces in the suburbs can be used and thoughtfully repurposed for housing. 
grand dreams <laughs> it's funny because like i didn't intend to talk about urbanism or anything but then, <laughs> but then like yesterday we were just talking about like that the like seed of your urbanism was planted through richard scary's busy town yeah we were talking about that <laughs> richard scary's busy town and is that what it's called busy town richard like, scary's like, cars and trucks and things that go was my favorite particular oh, book that's adorable and and sesame street well you were and and, and sesame street the urbanism book. of sesame street but yeah. like you were describing like that all these busy like urban little scenes with all the animals doing everything and you would just be sitting there as a kid like looking at looking like look at all these little creatures oh, doing all their little doing jobs their, every, their, yeah <laughs> i also really loved as a kid um what is it called when you like slice something like take a well, I'll just yeah, like a cross example. section, like a cross section. Uh-huh. There was this book that had a cross section of a family home. Uh-huh. Oh, I love, was, love and it was a Victorian that. home, and so it was like four stories. Yeah, where do you think? Where do you three... think the little dollhouse thing, the fixation of mine, is yeah. like sim- similar to that? It's like being able to see all the things and, and all the in it. Scenes. They had everyone was in there. Someone was in the bedroom. Someone was in there. This like attic office. Someone's in the basement doing laundry. Someone was, uh-huh. and I just I would stare at that page, and. Even today, I really love seeing an apartment block where you where you see people's lights on at night and seeing all, people walk past the window cooking dinner or you see them watching TV. And I, I just like it's very comfortable to me. People living their lives. Yeah. Yeah. We share that with the, we share that with the certain nighty wearing folks across the way. I don't know if that woman has ever put on real clothes since she, October. At uh, least. Not that I've ever seen. Yeah. But, you know. We're getting. This is a woman who's clearly most of these in her kitchen with her different colored nighties. I thought I mean, she was a the ghost. The amount of for a times while. I've been naked in my room looking at her, and you know, it's like God. She must be able to see me. She must be able to see you. She must. That well, I I told you I'm I like came out of the shower and I didn't think about it and the, my shades were all the way open and it was just like my like tits were like fully out. I'm sure. Look, I'm sure of it that I that I looked into her eyes that yeah. we we saw each other. And then I, and then I hit the deck. (laughs) (laughs) Generally, I'll, I'll do pushups during my workout. I think the taller you are, like, are... You have come up with this theory that there's some sort of fulcrum of... I think so. Yeah, that it's like tall people are at a deficit. I guess Look, if I start working out, I can try to prove you, you know. Well, you're also a woman, so you're you're distributed differently too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, short men, short kings, verify. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of kings, short or otherwise. Yep. Um, you had asked me whether I would be able to s- succinctly summarize all the different dating platforms. Okay. Um, and I did take a moment to think about it. Are you ready? Yeah. I don't remember posing this question. And why did I ask the question? Because we, uh, because we were discussing a group dating app at a certain point. And you were like, oh my God, you've tried so many of these dumb things. Like, can you, like, you should like try to summarize all the things that you've tried. Oh yes. Let's Um, tell the people about that thing. Okay. Circa 2012. Circa 2012. So that was a thing uh, called Grouper. I was trying to think of what it was called because I was like, it was like something about fish. <laughs> I was like, it's, Flounder it's is not, what it should have been called because it's no longer around. 
<laughs> and how I felt while I was on that date. <laughs> that was good. Uh, that was a dad joke, and I saw it, and I liked it. Um, so grouper, yeah, I was like, it wasn't plenty of fish. That was also a thing. It was also I, a thing. Which I had, that's one That I might still tried. be a thing. I don't know. Yeah, that one I haven't tried. Um, but grouper was a, was a, uh, a, a an app where you they would set you up on a group date. <clears throat> so it was like three three on three so like a th- three friends three friends meet up with another three f- group like of three another friends. group of three friends this was probably one of the worst quote-unquote dates i mean i don't know if you can really call it a date so the point is that it's like oh it's so much easier to hang in a group than it is to like hang one-on-one which first of all i it's not that is not true or maybe <laughs> not it's for a certain type of person sense. but um yeah uh, so it was terrible it was terrible terrible and i think one of the key issues is that we hadn't come up with like an exit strategy or any sort of way of like conveying like are we having a nice time are we not having a nice time as a group of three you know what i mean because one person could be having a nice time one person could be having a nice time and then what do you do do you leave that person there that's what we did spoiler alert um but uh, but it's like there needed to be some sort of plan where we're like we need to like circle up or we need to like have a covert text chain or something like that so like i was like miserable miserable and i think our other friend was miserable and then the third person was like kind of having a nice night on out on the town with these people and then we eventually and then we just like suffered through rounds and rounds and rounds of drinks and and then eventually like i was like what do i do do i just say out loud like hey i'm gonna leave like (laughs) which you can easily do when it's just one-on-one so grouper terrible experience absolutely terrible one and done uh with grouper um and it seems like they floundered <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um I used OkCupid, which is still around. Yep. I used it when it was a website. Web based platform. It was not an app. There was no smartphones. It was just You logged in. A website. Yep. You logged in and you've got mail computer. Sort of Absolutely. Um of course I have used, you know, the the bumbles and why is it called OkCupid? Like it was like it, it it's like okay computer maybe like okay Cupid find me a match oh okay it's, I don't it's know just like idea. an all right Cupid it's it's, like I'm not it's not like a great Cupid like <laughs> yeah, I'm like, not that like good a, a matchmaker yeah, I'm a fine I'm, matchmaker. okay it's okay it's an okay Cupid yeah. so of course I've tried the other you know the ones that still exist now too like yeah, Bumble yeah. and oh uh, Hinge, Hinge coffee and meets bagel coffee, oh yeah coffee meets bagel which my sister thought was a Jewish Indian dating app. The coffee, brown coffee, and then bagels or the or the juice coming together. And she was like, that's such a specific demographic. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I see where she was going with yeah. that. Um, and that was when you would only get 10 bagels a day or you get a dozen bagels a day. Actually, it was you only got 10 bagels a day, which makes which is, no that's sense. That's weird. That makes no sense. Yeah. Maybe it's different now. Um, but that one still exists. Bumble is basically emotional labor disguised as empowerment mm-hmm. because the premise of that is like the woman has to message first within 24 hours or it goes away and if you're a woman who dates women it's basically just just a 24 hour anyone i guess yeah yeah, yeah yeah um so i hate that hate that <clears throat> um oh do you remember how about we no. And is that when you proposed a date yes. and someone accepted it or not? Yes. Yes. No one wanted to do the things that I wanted that I thought were fun. 
So it was the concept you just threw out into the inner space webs. Yes. You know, I would like to go to Brooklyn Botanical go to, Gardens yeah. to and see then, the and then go to And then go to drinks at this place. And then it was like people go say, I would like to, to do that too. I would like to do that. Yeah. In theory, kind of a good idea. Mm-hmm. No one ever wanted to do your... Yeah. I guess I had bad data ideas or something. Um, also, we can't forget... Talkify, <laughs> which was Talkify. the which was the one where it was like there you was like a digital call. component, but it was like a real yeah it was like a real life matchmaker, and you were set like and you I think I I think you must have talked on the phone because there must have been a reason that it was called that, but like so I got gifted like a three month membership to this like real life matchmaker thing, I had to go to a work a co working space to physically meet with this person to answer these questions. Whose office was in a co-working space. Their office was in a co-working Like in a WeWork. It was in a WeWork. It was actually in WeWork, uh, uh, like around like Fulton Street. Went to the WeWork. Sat in like sat a, in a little glass, a little glass conference room. Everyone around you saw what was going on. Absolutely. That that would be a really funny office to be near because you see them doing like yeah. these matchmaking intake interviews like all day. So uh, uh, they did a little like interview thing with me like like okay i feel like i really like understand who you are this is really helpful and like give you matches or whatever so um i they guarantee you three matches a month or something like that two or three matches i mean it wasn't like a whole lot but the the sell was that it was like very carefully curated it was vetted and vetted and they really having met both of these people thought you two would get along that was in theory in practice, um, and they were like, you shouldn't say no to anyone. That's what they, that's basically what they were like. You should just, you, there's a reason we picked this person. You should just go on the dates. So I went on the dates, uh, went on, I did go on a lot of dates with this particular platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to reference an F. Scott Fitzgerald story called Bernice Bob's Her Hair, where they talk about the way to become really popular is is to dance with all the sad birds mm-hmm. quote unquote and then when everyone sees how popular you are like you that will raise your your social capital i don't know that it, all i can say is that i dated a lot i went on a lot of dates with a lot of sad birds and that um i got such positive feedback from the sad birds that i then became like the person that they would set them up like the real like difficult cases up with because i was able to make conversation with anyone that's what they told me so then i was like uh that's kind of like rude (laughs) (laughs) like so my punishment for being able to like really talk to anyone about anything for one hour was getting sort people of people that had no relation. I mean, it's separate from whoever these people were. Just I'm not saying that they were they inherently had, uh, bottom of the they barrel were people, not related anything. to what who they thought made a good match for you. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they were like gross or bad people. It was just like that they had no relation to any like compatibility with me. It was just that like I was able to like talk to talk to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> so what other ones? Is that the last one that you have? Um, well, no, I, well, I have like, you know, I've, I've of course done the Tinder and the fields yes. and all mm-hmm. that. And I think, I mean, I think in general, the, the, con- the pithiest conclusion about those is just that like the apps that have the reputation of being sort of like, kind of like most um, meat marketiest kind mm-hmm. of things are actually the places where you are able to like have the most like 
sort of respectful exchanges, ironically, mm. um, because of people's ability to be kind of more upfront about what they're looking for and what they want. And instead of it being couched, like some of the like worst misogynists that I've met have been on Bumble. Right. And then some of the like coolest people have I've met have been on these more sort of things that are viewed as being sort of more of the hookup like. Right. Uh, you know. Well, I think apps. if you need an app, if you're designing an app in order to create some sort of perception of solving for the ills of society. Right. And the dynamics like uh, that doesn't <laughs> do anything that just provides a shield for the men who are going to think and act that way anyway. I right. Mean, Right. It's, no, that's a, that's me, a really good way of putting it. Better to be if if the person you want to meet is going to act how they're going to act, regardless of what the parameters. Let's actually just like placed. try to have cards on the table, because then at least I can use my common sense to vet those people out before they like I waste my time. And and uh, and let's even go further in the other direction and find ourselves in a space that's thought to be a hookup space, and then mm -hmm. someone someone acts and interacts the way that they the way that they. It's appropriate for them. It doesn't. Yes. It's like they don't need to. No one needs to be crude or. Yeah, it's like not gross. It's like gross just because they're in a place that some people would say might could be and can be crude and gross. Right, right, right. And then it's that, actually the place where you're going to see authentically and that is a better measure who. of character. Just because you can be gross there doesn't mean you have to be gross there. Yeah. So then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. See you. Yeah. <laughs> so well, this is why I've often said that I like. Grinder. I'm not on it right now, mm -hmm. but and that in that like better than a, you than like can a traditional decide. Dating. You can decide who you are, and you can remain consistent in who you mm -hmm. are. And why are we de demonizing this this app that actually is just a collection of people who don't have guardrails? Like we aren't in kindergarten. I right. don't need a teacher in the form of an right. app over my shoulder telling me what's right and wrong. That uh, that's I, like, I, I can do that. that determination what that. I'm comfortable with right. who I'm comfortable talking with and what I tolerate and what you're looking for and what I'm looking for and I think that it does require you to be uh, much more certain about what you're looking for so I think that can be scary for people and it challenges people's respectability people want to be respectable yes. they want to be perceived as respectable yes. and so to be in a place that is perceived as not being a respectable mm -hmm. place means that you also have to set your ego aside that's that. Although I, so on very like related sidebar, despite like, so we're in our thirties saying that like the, the so-called hookup apps are like the place to have a more vet, like a res like more respect and like a more a better connections and better conversations. Um, and uh, the, the cut in New York magazine yeah. just r ran an article about like how uh, younger, the younger folks who are you know coming of age or whatever um are turning away from hookup culture and um and someone responded to that article on twitter with a graph the graph was people who had reported not having had sex within the last year and the largest demographic of people were people in their 20s yeah this is an epidemic somewhere between 20 and 25 percent of people surveyed between the ages of 20 and 29 had not had sex at all, at, at least within the last year, maybe longer, but it would only measured within the last year. And people, the low, the people with the lowest number reporting that were people in their 30s. I think it was only like 7% of people in their 30s reported that they hadn't had sex. I mean, we don't year. have any historic data on this. No. So, so maybe it's true that I mean, in people it, in their 30s always have more sex. 
I would be abs- willing to believe that. I would be 100% willing to believe that for sure. Um, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to draw more from that graph than, you know, who even knows? I don't know what the background was right, and what the sample right. size was and where, where this was conducted. Right. So uh, I don't want to live and die by that. But it does seem like it speaks to sort of like a trend of youth being like, uh, like either unwilling or unable to to participate in that like yeah or maybe the 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 repercussions of living the majority of your life on the internet um, yeah Yeah. where the internet tells you simultaneously to be on it all the time but also to be afraid of everything Mm -hmm. and skeptical of things and 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 so be afraid of it but be on it and so that's and only be vulnerable in really specific kind of ways yeah so i can be vulnerable on my couch into the void right but I can't use it to actually be vulnerable, physically connect with right, anyone, right, whether right, it's right. sexually or, or in any other way. Like mm-hmm. I, it's, intimacy, like interpersonal intimacy versus I like mean, digital intimacy. Not in, like physically in person. Yeah. Not even like intimate, but mm-hmm. like just like getting together in person. Right. Right, right, right. To do a friendly activity. Right. Oh, there's yeah there's a lot of young people who would rather text than talk on the phone i'm a person who will would much, much rather, rather talk, talk on the, the phone. phone all the time mm-hmm. what sign of our what age really i guess really frustrates me is when you have to work through the technology in order to get to to someone on the phone right well this is like uh your sister's salad pizza order <laughs> Where we don't even have to get into the whole story, but the upshot is that because the waitress couldn't figure out how to put put an order, a specific order into into the the system, system, then there was no way it could be done. Basically, ordering raw vegetables that were available as a topping. She's like, I can't sell you the toppings without selling you the pizza. So because I can't figure out how to put it in the system. So I have to charge you for an entire pizza minus the pizza. What I can do is say a small (laughs) cheese, a small vegetarian pizza. Eighty-six, the pizza. Right. And then she's like, "That means I'm paying seventeen dollars for some like sliced (laughs) up bell peppers." peppers. Right. 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 Yeah. And that was a that was a case where the technology really, really hampered us. In fact, nobody ate vegetables that day. (laughs) (laughs) Because the machines. Because the machines. Because of the machines. And this is how the robots win. Uh, It it truly is. We write, curate, and produce as VJ and Stevens, and you can subscribe to Don't Think Twice anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're currently back to curating live productions and writing and pitching our scripted works for television. You can learn more about us at vjandstevens.com. That's V-I-J-A-Y and S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. We're on Instagram at VJ and Stevens, and our assistant Susan is lousy at tweeting at memos from Susan. Close-up, smell? it smells like... Close-up, it smells like lotion. It smells nice. It smells floral. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now from a distance. It's giving me a little bit... I mean, it's giving me a little bit of, like, urine in the carpet. <laughs> but, like, on a hot day. <laughs> like, it's like... The sun is streaming in and it's like warming the spot where someone hath peed. 
like a while back. (laughs) And it wasn't properly cleaned. (laughs) 